Well, it's been a wonderful day so far. Amen. Considering Christ, considering his resurrection from the dead, and, and what I'm going to talk about for a few minutes here, actually, unintentionally, is going to blend right in. What is faith? Now, see, what we're talking about today, if you didn't have faith, you, you wouldn't be here today. There would be no reason for you to set a, a time aside to remember the resurrection of Christ and what he's accomplished if you didn't have faith. Well, God's given you some faith. And what we're going to talk about today, part 12 of, of this series on faith, is that by faith, Abraham offered up Isaac. And see, this is exactly what, what God's done. This, is, this whole this whole uh, picture that, that, that God paints here in um, Hebrews Chapter 11 is, is highlighting something that God gives in order that you might believe and understand what God's doing. God's done a lot in Christ. But see, that these types and shadows, when we look at Abraham and we see some of the things, God made an everlasting covenant with Abraham. And so the, the, what, what the things that Abraham was called to do, they're, they're pictures. They show us things about what God was going to do with Christ. And how, how God was going to take away the, the sins of the whole world, but he was going to do it through, through a promise. And see, this, this promise uh, in, in Hebrews eleven seventeen it says, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. As we go through this, I'm not going to mention all of them, but you're going to see a lot of implications, a lot of, a lot of connections to something that God did with Christ in taking away sin. There was going to come a time when God was going to offer up his only begotten son. Amen. He was going to do it. And um, see, we, we, find, we know, if you know the scriptures, you, Abraham got a reprieve, didn't he? Yes. But see, that, that was it because God was, God was going to provide the lamb. See, all the different things that, that Abraham said and Abraham went through, they're, they're just thick with meaning. See, well, as you understand what Christ did and what God purposed in him, it, 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 all of a sudden it takes on more form. You're, there's so much substance in what God's done in, in, this, uh, in this, uh, this record. After the promise had been fulfilled, now remember, it just says, in, in Genesis 22, it says, And it came to pass after these things. What things? Well, there's some things had to change, right? Remember he had Ishmael? He was part of it. And Sarah, Sarah told him he can't be partaker of the inheritance. He can't. And so he had to cast him out. Well, after that was done, after the promise had been fulfilled that he had Isaac, see, now now God did some thinning of the ranks. He got he had Ishmael, had, couldn't be partaker. He had to get, get him out of the picture. After he'd been cast out with the bondwoman, years later, when Isaac would have been closer to a man than a small boy, God requires something of Abraham that would stretch his faith to new heights. Abraham went through a lot of things, but he never went through anything like this before. See, that's, even though he had to cast out Ishmael, he did, wasn't asked to kill him, right? Wasn't asked to sacrifice him as a burnt offering. And then God gave him, he comforted him, gave him a promise he's going to be Twelve kings could come from him. So you see how God blessed Abraham. 
But he had to do what God said. Now, most I, I, I just very briefly mentioned here that most reliable commentators, that they have, see, we don't have it in the scriptures. How old was Isaac when Abraham offered him? Well, we don't have that word. Just a fact. We don't have it. Now, you can, you can go through the record and you can look at, compare scriptures to other scriptures and, and you, can come to, you can come to a conclusion. Everyone's probably come to a conclusion about it. Now, um, but see, obviously, the age of Isaac is not the most significant thing going on here. And, and that's why it's not there. God gives us what we need and, and he doesn't give us unnecessary things. So we'll focus on what we need. Not unnecessary things, but, you know, you can reason it out. Would Abraham strap a whole load of wood on a 10-year-old boy and send him up a mountain? See, some of these things that people come up with, they don't make sense. And it's best if they don't come up with them, right? Because it kind of blurs the vision then. And so anyway, the account begins in Genesis chapter 21, 22. 21's where he's cast out the bomb woman and all that, so... 22, it says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. Now, God didn't tempt Abraham to sin. We all know that. that, that is, he, he, tempted, he, he doesn't tempt any man to sin like that. Remember, James tells us about that. But what did he do? He was proving him. He was going to try or test his faith. Why? Because all of us, anyone who has faith, at some point in time, you can be sure of this. God is going to try it. He's, your, your faith has to be validated. And how's it validated? Well, we're going to see here it was by what he did. God told him to do something, and to him doing it validated his faith. Now, he had the faith before it was validated, right? So he didn't do the thing to get faith. He had faith so it could be validated. Why, why does it need to be validated? Because it comes from God. See, it glorifies God when, when, when he tries the very thing he's given you, and, it, and you stand up, right? You're strong in the Lord. What does that do? It glorifies God. God's the one that gave you the power to do it. He's the one that gave you the faith. And then, see, when, when you actually do the thing, you look back at it and you say, he gave me the strength to do it. So, see, salvation really is of the Lord. It, it's not of men. Otherwise, it would be faulty. God works these things in everyone, right? Now, he says here in 1 Peter, he, he makes this connection to us, that the trial of your faith. Now, you know, it's one thing to talk about Abraham's faith and talk about Isaac's faith, talk about Jacob's faith, but some point in time, it's going to narrow down to your faith. What are you doing with your faith? Because he did give it to you. And he gave it to you to use it. And as you use it, well, you'll find out it glorifies God. God works through his faith that he gives his people. Being much more precious than that of gold, the perish, though it be tried to fire, it might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearance of Jesus Christ. So it may seem like not much benefit came from the trial of your faith. You may have gone through a trial and you may say, well, I just, nobody come and patted me on the back. One of these days, see, God himself, if he honors your faith and honors the trial of it, that will be worth it all. It will be. When you stand before him and he says, righteous, welcome, come, enter into the joy of the Lord. 
you won't need any more praise. Praise from God is what we're looking for. All right. You say, you say, well, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not looking for praise from God. I'm looking for praise from God. You know why? Because he gives you faith. When you use it, he will praise you. Not men. Men can be vain in their praise, right? They can praise you for a reason. Maybe they want something from you. God will praise you. He, he will give you. He will glorify you together with Christ. And how much more praise do you need than that? You'll be glorified forever with Christ. Well, he will praise the works of his hands. See, what's he really praising in the end when God, when God completely justifies you? He'll be praising the works of his own hands. Well, we know that it's not by works of righteousness that we've done. It's his. See, what will we do? It says, it, the picture is like this. He'll say, well done, good and faithful, and we'll cast our crowns at his feet. In other words, we'll acknowledge it was you. You did it. But that's what faith will do in you. Faith works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Abraham, I love this. Abraham's really quick. He says, here am I. Here am I. God calls Abraham. Abraham, he's not sleeping. He's not groggy in the faith. Here am I. Now, it's been a long time since, um, I mean, you look at the record. It's been a while since God spoke to him, right? Remember on the plains of Mamre. That was the last time we, we see it. The men showed up. They're on their way to Sodom. Talked to him, told him he's going to have a son. See how faith made him expectant, ready, in other words, ready. To where next time God called, he was right there. He was right there. He wanted. God gives Abraham a commandment. Now, we live in a generation under commandments. These are difficult for some people to think that God would command anybody to do anything. God just did all the work, and now we just get all the benefits. Well, that's true in, in one sense, but he, he calls us into the work, right? In other words, he's going to give you something to do, isn't that? That's exciting. God's going to give you something to do. And in the doing of it, you'll find out he's gave, the one that gave you strength to do it. This is what he told him. Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And that's all he told him. That was it. That was the word. It's not a suggestion. It's not like, well, if you find time, Abraham, I would like you to do this little thing for me. No, this was a, a command. He commands him, take now thy son, thine only son. Now, Abraham had other children, and no doubt he probably loved them, but not like Isaac. See, Isaac was, was a special, this was a supernatural child. Abraham and Sarah could not have children. And God waited until it was obvious, obvious that neither one of them could possibly ever have children and the next thing you know, God shows up and he said, you're going to have a children in a year. And here, Isaac is born. And now here, I don't know if he's, I don't know exactly what age he is, but I know one thing. Abraham loved him. He loved him. He says that, and he makes a point of this. God says, the one whom thou lovest. Why does he talk like this? Because one day God's going to cast away his own son. He's going to curse him for a brief moment, but he's going to do it. His, the one he loves. Yeah. You see, uh, the language that God's using with Abraham, he wants us to understand this. Yeah. 
this command, get thee out of the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering. It complicates the fulfillment of the promise. In Abraham's mind, think about what, it, what he could have been thinking. How can I do this if he's the promised seed? Supernaturally so. Now I'm going to take him and kill him. A burnt offering. He, nobody, we don't know, any, I couldn't find any reference where God had ever raised anyone from the dead, especially a burnt offering. So later we find out, actually, we're going to talk about this in, in, in another chapter of this, but this is how he reasoned. Abraham reasoned like this. He heard this word from God, and does he, does he despair? Does he say, oh, no, what are we going to do now? The seed's gone. No. Later we'll find that he reasoned that if God was going to require the death of the promised seed, that he would have to raise him from the dead. He would have to. What was Abraham doing? Abraham was using the faith that God gave him to be able to reason this circumstance out. And what happened? That's exactly what God was going to do. You know, as I was reading this, I did some research online, and a lot of people, they'll phrase it like this. The day that Abraham almost sacrificed Isaac. Almost. That's wrong. That's absolutely wrong. You look in Hebrews... And it's a, he received him back in the Romans and, and, and in Hebrews. What's it talking about? It's talking about that in his mind, in his heart, he had killed his son. He was going when he got up in the next morning and he claved the wood. He was on his way to sacrifice his son. Abraham wasn't, wasn't the type he didn't play games with God. He didn't. He, was, he got up in the morning. He rose up early in the morning to do the work of God, didn't he? Now, there's always preparation. <clears throat> I thought about this, all this preparation that's mentioned. It's, we're told, right? By, and I, I put it like this. <clears throat> By faith, <clears throat> he rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass, right? See, now, the other way, that was something he had to do intentionally, and he did it because God told him to do something. So see, this was, everything in this journey was done by faith. As trusting in God that this whole thing was going to work out. By faith, he took two of his young men with him. And Isaac, his son, couldn't go without the sacrifice, right? Now, I don't know. I, I couldn't find anywhere where it tells us that Abraham ever told Sarah that he was going to actually sacrifice Isaac. I'm sure, you know, she was used to him going... I'm going to go sacrifice to the Lord, but you know we don't, we, don't, we don't have that information. So I'm not going to say that he did or say that he didn't. I know one thing, we'll find out later, that he hadn't told his son, right? On the way up the mountain, Isaac had a question for him. And it wasn't, you know, this was very relevant. Where's the lamb? See, so, so he hadn't told Abraham, oh, by the way, son, God called me to take you to the mountain and, and to make kill you and burn you. He didn't tell him that. Why? Because, see, God doesn't always divulge everything about everything he's doing, does he? He tells us the relevant part. And what, what did they really need to know? They needed to know that, that they were going there to perform a sacrifice to the Lord and then returning. And that's what Abraham told them. But there was some preparation that had to be done. Now, Abraham does do the preparation, but, you know, the preparation, it, it is a work, but it's not the main work. There's a lot of things we're called to do. 
that require preparation. And I can know, I can remember back as a younger man that I think I would get sometimes caught up in the preparation, like that was like a big deal. The preparation is a work, but it's not, the, the main thing is that you do what God tells you to do. That's the main thing. And see, God will help you with the preparation. But see, Abraham was called to do a specific work. And even though his preparation was complete, you think, well, I've done a really good job. I've got everything ready. You still got to do the work. You know, I remember I used to make a lot of cassette tapes. And, and I felt all, always really good in doing the work of the Lord. You know, and that was good work. But see, that's not what God called. God didn't call me to, 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 for this to be my worship. He wants me to worship him, not do something to feel good about myself. You know, and, and I think I realized that when I was going through a hard time, and so I thought to myself, the first thing that came to my mind, well, I'll go make some copies. No, that's not the right idea. You know, Abraham feeling down one day, he said, well, I think I'll cut some wood. That'll remind me. No. The main work is to do what God tells you to, to obey God. It's not sacrifice. It's to obey God. And in, that, in the obedience, you'll do a lot of sacrificing. You'll be called to do things for the Lord. But see, that's not the main benefit. The main benefit is to get closer to God, to be with him. So Abraham, he left. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And I thought, you know, see, I love the language. Every, almost every verse in this chapter has language, redemptive language built into it. We can see it far off, can't we? We can see the land by faith. We can see the time when we're going to be, we're going to be called into the fellowship of God's Son in a much more perceptive way. But see, it's still afar off. But it's coming. We can see it. Abraham said to his young men, Abide here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and come again unto you. You see, Abraham, he's not like, Abraham's not in doubt of what God's going to do at all. When he, when he got up in the morning, I'm persuaded that he knew exactly what he was going to He was reasoned that God's going to raise him from the dead. I'm going to do this for him. And he didn't look back. And he, I like this. In the Hebrew language, the word used for young man is the same word that's used for babe or for lad or for a servant or for a maiden or for a damsel. So see, we don't want to jump to any conclusions about this. He says a lad, so people think, well, he must have been just a little bit, little boy. That isn't what it means. So I mean, we don't want to, it's almost like our culture can like get into your thinking sometimes. No, and, and look, if you look at the paintings, almost all the paintings are of a little small child I don't believe that's true. I don't believe God does that kind of stuff. I don't think Mary was like 10 years old or 12 years old. When she, see, this is man inserting his own understanding into the scripture. See, God worked. God does everything righteously. And um, so anyway, that's just, but Abraham's faith shines. When he, when, when he tells these men, we're going to go worship and we're coming back. What's he doing? He's already worked it out. And his faith has already provided him an answer. God's going to raise him from the dead. I'll go up there and I'll, I'll, I'll bind him. I'll sacrifice him. I'll burn him up. And then I'm, 
I'm not coming back down until God raises him from the dead. But we're coming back. Why? Because of, Abraham already knows the promise is going to be fulfilled. And it's going to be fulfilled through Isaac. How many times did God tell him that? Remember he said, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And God said, no, the promise is going to come through Isaac, which you'll have in a year, right? So Abraham already knows God's intention. Now it's the working out of it. And so this, like I said, this may have seemed like a glitch. But see, Abraham, no, this was something. He was going to experience God doing something. And so (laughs) I tell you, Abraham didn't hold back his own son and this is god took this personally this is see god's gonna do this at some point in time in the future god's gonna do this very thing and so think of how much it blessed the lord when abraham pictured this thing and he i I, i'll give you i'll give you what you want and he didn't withhold his only begotten son oh i can see god was pleased with this Abraham, verse 6 says, Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. I love this picture, too. You know, God was with Christ, right? God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. Jesus was the one that was here walking around, but it was God in him. It's like Jesus said over and over. It's, 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 it's God that's doing the work, right? He's doing the work. He said, the words I speak to you, they're not my own. The Father gave them to me, and, and I'm faithful to do it. Isaac is a faithful companion at this point in time. He's with his father, and his father's over 100 years old. We know that. I mean, if, if Isaac was 20 or 30 or 33, that means Abraham's got to be 133, right? Or 120, 100. He's getting up there. He's going to live to be 175. But but look, he's getting up there. So, But see, Isaac is a faithful companion to him. He carries the wood. Now, up until this time, Beverly had the young men. Uh, I, I think they probably were the ones that carried it this far. They had two of them, share the load. Now he takes it and he puts it on Isaac. And I couldn't, I couldn't help but think, look what God's going to lay on Jesus. He's going to lay on him the iniquity of us. And by himself, he was going to have to purge sin away. And look at these pictures he's given us. You think, well, that's quite a load for Isaac. But Isaac did it, didn't he? He got to the top of the mountain, and they had the wood for the fire. Now, it's obvious that um, midway is up, that um, it's revealed to us that Isaac knows what's required for a sacrifice. So it wasn't like the first time that he had been with his father to do a sacrifice, because we've got everything we need, except we don't have that lamb. Abraham uses the language of faith when he says... God himself will provide a lamb for the burnt offering. And he came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built there an altar and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son. Now, as far as we know, this is the first, the first time that Isaac, like, what's going on here? Now, you know, this couldn't have happened in our century. We know this, right? 
This couldn't have happened. You're going to do what? You're going to sacrifice me? You're going to kill me? Well, here, look at... You see, you can see how God's, God's planned this out. This is purpose. We're seeing purpose at work here. What does Isaac do? He does exactly what Jesus is going to do. He submits to the will of the Father. I think we're seeing, a, we're seeing a good picture here. God's laid this down for us. Isaac was not there as a mere observer. He was there to do what his father wanted. And now, when it comes to this extreme, you think, well, Isaac's going to say no. He didn't say no. He, he submitted. Bound him. Now, and remember now, Abraham's an older man, and Isaac is a younger, stronger man. He definitely could have resisted him if he wanted to, but he didn't. He submitted to what his father wanted, and he laid him on the altar, upon the wood. Isaac would willingly submit to his father's will, and in doing so, he would be submitting to the will of God as well. See, God had told Abraham what to do. So now here, Abraham's doing the will of God, and Isaac is submitting to his father, but indirectly, he's submitting to God, just like when we submit one to another. See, really, we're submitting to God. If you can see it that way, it's a lot easier to submit one to another. When you see, we're submitting to God because it's Christ in you that we're submitting to. Isaac didn't know everything that was going to happen. Abraham didn't know everything that was going to happen. In Abraham's mind, he was going to kill his son and and then light the fire, right? I mean, that's that's what he was going to do. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. I get the picture that it was on the way down. He was, he was, his full intention was to plunge that knife. Make it quick. It's his son. Remember the one that he loved. But divine intervention is always right on time. Always. You look through the scriptures. It's always on time because God's in control of everything. Nothing can happen without the, the will of God. Genesis twenty two eleven says, And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Now, Abraham wasn't caught up in the moment. I, I, I was impressed with Abraham. He, he was very observant about what was going around him. Faith doesn't make a person lethargic or cloudy-headed. Or can't, I can't make a decision. Faith enables you to hear the word of the Lord, right? Amen. Abraham wasn't like lingering, like waiting, like maybe God will stop me. That was not the attitude of Abraham. He was going to do this sacrifice. And he said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. So, see, what is the power of faith? What, what is it? It's in the demonstration of it. See, how do you know that you have faith? It's when you do what God asks. It's when you submit to what God's telling you to do. It's a demonstration. Now, James 
makes it clear to us. He says, what is a prophet, my brethren, do a man say he has faith and have not works? Can faith save him? Now, James is saying, can faith save him independent from works? Like, I believe God, but I just never do what he tells me. Well, the problem is you don't have the faith of God's elect. The faith of God elect always obeys, always. Yeah, yeah. Hebrews 11 tells us, it's showing us every circumstance where faith is the motive, faith is moving the person, they obey God. They do it. Yeah, it is true that God already knew the capacity of the faith that he gave Abraham, but Abraham didn't know the full capacity of what God had given him. The angel obviously didn't know the full capacity. See, the angels, they don't operate by faith. They operate by sight. They, they're in the throne room. God tells them to do something. They go, not thinking, well, maybe I can get this done. They're going on the full authority of the God of heaven. And they do his will without question. But now look what God's done. He sent him there with a mission. He's empowered him by giving him faith. And the angel is, is watching. Now, it's been said before that maybe the angel was told, when you know for sure, you can stop it. But you can see, he said, now I know, which implies that before he wasn't fully convinced. But now he was. Now he saw Abraham's full intention, he was going to perform this sacrifice, and he stopped it. Lay not thine hand upon the lad. Now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son. The angel, he didn't know. He wasn't for certain when Abraham was cutting the wood, right? Now that was an intention there. He got up in the morning saddled his ass, and he, and he claved the wood, right? But see, the angel didn't stop it there, Silk. I see, I see you're going to do it. He didn't stop it when he was on his way up the mountain, did he? he Here's here, a touching moment when his son says, Father, where's the lamb? The angel said, all right, it's enough. You know, I can't take this anymore. This is getting too dramatic. No, he doesn't, because faith hadn't been worked out completely yet. When did he stop it? He stopped it when Abraham was going to perform the sacrifice. At that moment, he was fully convinced. And he says, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thickets by his thorns. And you can't really know the scriptures and know what Christ would, had to go through and not realize that this is a picture of Christ. Here, how, how is men going to be redeemed? How would God save the world? Jesus, the Lamb of God, was kind of like a ram caught in the thick. How is holiness going to be worked out at the same time as redemption? Jesus, he had to take upon himself the Holy One of Israel. The Holy One now. He had to take upon himself the sin of the whole world, and he by himself, had to purge it away. And he did it. He did it. Well, praise God for Jesus. See, now, see, Abraham nor Isaac would ever forget this day. It, they have their whole lifetime. This would be burnt into their memory, just like redemption. See, Jesus is at the right hand of God right now. 
All right? Jesus in heaven is seen as a lamb, as it were slain, a freshly slain lamb. Why? Because redemption, God's never going to get over this, that his son came and laid down his life. And I praise God that he's never going to get over it. See, in other words, Jesus' sacrifice is just as, just as special and significant today as it was the moment he did it. The moment he gave himself. That's fresh and new and vibrant in heaven. In other words, it still can take away sin. One sacrifice forever. Well, see, this was a picture. What Abraham was called to do was the working out of a picture for us. So our minds could, could contain the, the, the reality, what God was going to do in Christ. So what does Abraham do? He names the place. They, they, they did that a lot back in those days. That God would give them to do something, and they would see it, and so then they would name the place. Look at what he called this place. And Abraham called the name of this place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Uh, where, where do you come? Where do you come to, to a place where you, you, you know you have satisfaction? You, you have, you, you, you're, you're fellowshipping in the reality that you're saved. It's in the mount of the Lord. When you come into the courts of heaven, for us, see, when you're gathered together with saints of the like, of like precious faith, and you start fellowshipping together, what happens every single time? You, you come up higher, you're built up. You leave everything, all the world behind. You leave all the cares. All, it's all, it's there. It's in the background. But see, when you're fellowshipping with God, you're in, another, you're in the mount of the Lord. And that's where he'll make it. No, that's where he'll, he'll sanctify you. That's where, that's where he'll, he'll, he'll give you special things. You'll be built up and blessed. God didn't send Abraham home empty-handed. And he didn't say, all right, you know, you did, did my will. Go on home now. No, look at what he does. He reaffirms the blessing. Why? Because Abraham had exercised his faith. And, and this is what God said. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this. Now I want you to think about Jesus now while I read this. See, Jesus did the will of God. He came and he took away sin. <clears throat> because thou hast done this and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing will I bless thee. And in multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. Now, if God would give this kind of a blessing to Abraham, how much more is he going to give a blessing to his son, Christ Jesus? He is going to multiply his seed all of heaven's going to be filled with those who have been, been born again by the blood of Jesus Christ. A full and a comprehensive blessing. And actually, this blessing, God still honors today. Okay? Some people think, well, God's done with Israel. Well, they, they, don't, they forget about this. This is what God's going to do this work, and he's going to do it in Abraham's seed. This is what Christ spoke these words over the nation of Israel he hath blinded their eyes. Now, when Jesus came, the nation was in bad shape. Remember, John the Baptist had to get a forerunner had to be sent first to make the way clear, to make 
to where Jesus' ministry would mean something. He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts that they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts and be converted, and I should heal them. They missed the day of their visitation. Here their Savior's there, but they missed it. So what did God do? That's what he was going to do all along. He was, he was going to lift his hand to the Gentiles, right? The Gentiles were going to be grafted in to the Jewish olive tree. Does that mean that they're cut off forever? Well, let's just see. I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. For I also am an Israelite, the seed of Abraham. He didn't say that by accident. He's linking this to this promise. The tribe of Benjamin, God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. Why you not the scripture saith of Elias, how he made intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets. They've digged down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. Sometimes it can seem pretty sparse, right? Sometimes it seems like everything's against you. But look, lift up your head. It says, I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee, the knee to, to, to Baal. And why did he do that? Because he was not going to forget this promise he made to Abraham. That's why God will honor his, honor his promise. He made a promise to Abraham. He made a promise to Isaac and to Jacob, the same promise. Nevertheless, when it, that's Israel, shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. So praise God. When that happens, believe me, it won't be done in the corner. When all Israel is given to be saved, it'll, everyone will know it. They'll return to God. Now, Genesis twenty-two nineteen. I'm going to close with this. So Abraham returned on his young men, just like he said he would right just like he he said we're going to go we're going to worship and we're going to come again now that was the language of faith and here it comes faith fulfilled they come back and they <laughs> no doubt the trip down the mountain was a lot more enjoyable than the trip up for brother abraham right god honored his promise now unless we had this account in scripture we would be as these young men we would have no understanding of what happened. All, all they knew is that Abraham went up, he worshiped, he come back down. Boop, that's it. But look at how God's given us the details of this so that we might know and understand some of, some of what Jesus was involved in in laying down his life, being the sacrifice for us in order that we might have life. Thank you very much, brethren. <clears throat>